0: I believe there are some magical healing powers that can happen for all of us through sharing our stories, and I'll take all the help I can get. I grew up in a small town in western Montana, one of the best kinds of small towns, the kind where your best friends live down the dirt path from you, and you'd either come home when you heard your mom calling or before it got dark out. Brothers and sisters. I have 12 of them. Yes, they are full-blooded siblings from the same mom and dad. I have eight sisters and four brothers. I think I was an aunt by the time I was 10, and a great-aunt by the time I was 30? I have no idea. You'll probably hear from some of my siblings throughout my podcast. They are some of my favorite people in the whole world, and I couldn't be more grateful that my parents did whatever they did to get us all here. I could go on and on about my siblings, but that's a different podcast that someone should definitely get to work on. I have fond memories of sleeping on the trampoline under the stars in the summer, kicking off the sleeping bags in the morning and turning on the sprinkler underneath. My parents' driveway has this enormous pothole in it. It's a crater. It was amazing. After a quick summer rainstorm, the crater would be full of water. I loved playing in that giant mud puddle. The hole gets filled up with dirt every once in a while, but that trusty mud pond always comes back. It's still there, and I love going home and pulling up the driveway and slowing down for that dang hole. Winter wasn't any less awesome than summer. You know that smell? That smell that's letting you know it's just about to snow? Anyone who grew up in Montana knows what smell I'm talking about. Even if it isn't forecasted, you know, that's snow for show. There are a few things more calming and beautiful than the first snow. It's a quiet I can only compare to how quiet it is after the person pulls your parachute when you're skydiving. It's one of the most perfect moments of true silence, where you can listen to it and be aware of yourself and your surroundings. Even though I haven't lived in Montana for about 12 years, I can still predict the snow better than the weatherman here in Seattle. There were days of building snowmen and forts, riding on a tube behind a truck, snow angels. My mom made hot cocoa for us, homemade, and I've never been able to enjoy a single cup of what the rest of the world tries to pass off as hot cocoa. I love the gifts I have from where I grew up. I feel so lucky I had the opportunity to come from a place that isn't just a state to people there. Like I said earlier, I live in Seattle, Washington, with my husband and two kids, My oldest son, Ford, is the reason I'm here talking with all of you right now. He's inspired me in lots of ways over the last few years. Ways I probably wouldn't have accessed otherwise. Having a child with a rare genetic disorder has shown me, my husband, and our family a whole new level of love and acceptance. It's taught me to have true compassion and empathy for others. More than just good manners and being kind. I feel it in my chest. I feel it in my soul. He's taught us to slow down, about not sweating the small stuff. Right now, I have much more important stuff that needs that space in my brain and in my heart. That space that takes up the small stuff, now it's open for grief, heartbreak, anxiety, fear, loneliness, exhaustion, worry, and some jealousy if I'm being honest. These are the things parents of children like Ford are sweating when they have time to visit that sweat lodge, or when they have no choice and they're instantly teleported there. Maybe there's a seizure or something, or maybe it's just a routine visit to the spa, as my good friend Cynthia refers to our local children's hospital. There's a special kind of beauty in this world and a special kind of isolation. I would like us to talk about both together. I want others to see people like Ford and see them just as they are. My hope is that acceptance and inclusion will just be natural. Maybe it's as basic as figuring out where we can meet you in his wheelchair. Or maybe it's simply saying hello to someone that appears different than you. Instead of pretending not to look at them, or averting your eyes so they don't see how nervous you might be, you may think that actively not looking or moving your eyes away suddenly is the polite thing to do, but it's not. It contributes to why so many of us feel alone and unaccepted. It makes us feel invisible. I'm not saying that you should go out of your way and say hi to people who have disabilities, but maybe you should. Maybe if you did, it would stop feeling so weird or uncomfortable to exist alongside someone else who appears different than you. I don't remember who said it, It was probably my pal Oprah, but maybe think about it this way. If a person comes within 10 feet of you, make eye contact and smile. And if a person comes within five feet of you, make eye contact and say hi. Those acts are so simple and everyone feels better. Obviously, there are days when you just need to put in your headphones and get somewhere and let go of your surroundings, but not all the time. Just this morning, we were heading to a physical therapy appointment for Ford. He was in his wheelchair, and I was walking behind him. He was heading through these big automatic sliding doors. There's two in a row, so it's extra exciting for Ford. He's obsessed with doors that open and shut. He's still learning to control his chair, and he's building up muscle and endurance. He'll go backwards and forwards through these doors as long as I'll let him. Three people wouldn't go through, and they hung back even after I kindly waved them through and told them all to go ahead. They didn't respond to me, and they didn't look at me. They just sort of stood there awkwardly. This sometimes makes me feel like I better go push forward through so everyone can be comfortable and get on with their day and not feel weird. But I stop myself. I stop myself every time, as long as I'm not late, because he isn't in the way. These doors are huge. It can fit several people standing next to each other. Ford's learning, and I have to give him the space to do that. I know people may think that it's being kind and letting Ford go all the way through first, but y'all are making it weird, and you might be waiting a while. All of a sudden, this lady came whizzing by in her electric wheelchair. She passes Ford, and she yells out, Sweet wheels, you got there, man. <laughs> Ford about lost it. He loves it when people talk to him. He pointed at her until she disappeared. Thank you to that woman. Let's all be that woman. I want to go back to my childhood real quick. That small town I came from and that huge family I have, I don't remember growing up alongside anyone like Ford. I remember in high school, there was a boy who clearly had some sort of disability. Do I know what it was? No, no one ever told me and I never asked. He was walked through the hallways a lot in between classes. For the most part, I know that kids were nice to him. At least that's what I tell myself because I really have no idea. The only thing I know for sure is that the guys in his class would teach him bad words. And everyone would get a big laugh when he repeated it. They may have thought they were including him and being his friend. And I really believe that they did think that. I believe that is the only way they knew how to be kind and cool. They taught him swear words. Teachers knew this was happening, and they didn't stop it. It's not like they were bullying him, right? That was only 15 years ago. As Ford's mom, when I think about that kid in school being walked in the hallways after all the other kids went to class, being included by his peers for a laugh, it makes me physically sick to my stomach. I start to cry. Almost every time. I think of that kid a lot. I think about being Ford's mom and sending him off to school And imagine that to be his experience. For that to be those other kids' experience, with the one kid in school who has a disability. We all failed him. Me, his classmates, his teachers. We failed each other. We're the masses, and we let this happen, and we didn't even blink an eye. Maybe those guys have kids now. Maybe they don't feel responsible because they didn't know any better. Maybe they don't act like that now maybe they know better and they do better and maybe they're sorry i'd like to think that my old school's doing a better job now too i think about that boy's mom a lot i asked an old friend from high school the other day if she knows what happened to him and she said he has a job and he's living in a group home in our nearby big city wow i cannot tell you how much that news warmed my heart how relieved i was i think that mom is such a badass She didn't have the internet on her side when her son was young. She's one of my heroes, and I hope to talk to her someday. Seattle is supposedly one of the most progressive cities in the world. It obviously is. And you'd think that the same issues that I saw with disability in my small town in Montana almost two decades ago wouldn't be as prevalent here. But you'd be wrong. Seattle, like everywhere in this amazing country, has a long way to go. I own a small salon in downtown, and I walk about five blocks from the bus to my shop. And I notice everything now. I can't help it. Things that would have never registered before Ford. I notice when the sidewalk is broken, or if it doesn't have a ramp onto the street. I notice when there's a sign on the sidewalk advertising a business in the way. I notice when there's a truck blocking access. I see which restaurants I loved going to that aren't accessible, and I make a mental note that I can't bring my family there. Traffic's really bad in our city, and most of the time cars and buses are blocking the intersections, so it's not safe for anyone to cross, let alone someone in a wheelchair. I wonder how I didn't notice this stuff before. Because it's pretty consuming now. And you know I'm moving those signs when I see them. We should all be moving those signs. I've been a waitress, a bartender, a hairstylist. Yes, I realize I have a pattern. I loved these jobs, especially waiting tables, because I could eat anything I wanted and talk to people. I love getting to know people and finding a deeper level of connection. I like learning about what experiences people have lived through, how it's shaped them into who they are today. Most of the closest friends I have today were or still are customers and clients of mine. I honestly practice to see the best in people. It's been a gift and a challenge of mine. A lot of these people I've collected over the years have helped me through some very difficult times, and several of them have played a huge part in the start of this podcast. I'm jumping into some deep water, but it's as crystal clear as Flathead Lake. I know this podcast is a piece of my purpose even though I barely know what I'm doing at this point. What I've learned about the disability and rare disease community since Ford is so different than what I thought I knew before. I want to help shine a light on the world so we can all navigate it together. I'm still learning, and I can't do this alone. I'll be talking to anyone and everyone about this subject. I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to say the wrong things. But I want you to know... This is a labor of love, and my intentions are honest and real. I'm here to help myself and others navigate and relate through this foreign path and to have very real and open conversations about our lives. I'm Effie Parks, and this is Once Upon a Gene, a podcast for the families and friends of individuals with rare disease or disabilities. Thank you for listening. It means so much to me. If you like what you hear and you'd like to help our show grow, please share this podcast and leave a rating and a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Take care.